This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Russian missiles hit a kindergarten and an apartment block in Kyiv, Ukraine's capital. Joe Biden, America's president, condemned the strikes as, quote, barbarism. On Saturday, Russia gained full control of Severodonetsk in the country's east, according to local officials. The fall of the city, after months of fighting, is Russia's biggest military victory since capturing Mariupol in May. The Utah branch of Planned Parenthood, a women's health service provider, filed suit to stay the state's abortion ban. Utah is one of several states with a trigger law on the books, immediately banning the practice after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade on Friday. President Joe Biden called the court's decision, which ended the right to an abortion, quote, a tragic error, though a spokesperson said he had no intention of adding more justices to the bench. America, Britain, Canada, and Japan announced a ban on imports of Russian gold, the latest in a string of sanctions designed to tighten the squeeze on Vladimir Putin, Russia's president. Russian gold exports were worth $15.45 billion last year, and oligarchs often invest in bullion to soften the blow of Western sanctions, said Boris Johnson, Britain's prime minister. Talks to revive Iran's stalled nuclear containment deal, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, could restart within days. So said the EU's top diplomat during a trip to Tehran, Iran's capital. America has already indicated a willingness to return to the seven-party agreement, under which Iran constrained its nuclear program in return for sanctions relief. It was negotiated under Barack Obama, then abrogated by Donald Trump. Sri Lanka raised the price of petrol a day after its energy minister said there would be indefinite delays to future shipments. Kanchana Wijasakara blamed, quote, banking and logistical reasons for the country being almost without fuel. The crisis is one facet of an economic collapse which has seen Sri Lanka's foreign currency reserves depleted by a combination of poor policy choices and external shocks. Vladimir Putin told Alexander Lukashenko, Belarus's dictatorial president, that Russia would supply his government with nuclear-capable missile systems. Mr. Lukashenko requested Russian aid in response to NATO activity near its borders, according to Russia's foreign ministry. Earlier, Ukraine accused Russia of trying to drag Belarus further into the war after sites in northern Ukraine were pounded by more than 40 missiles fired from Belarusian airspace. Joe Biden signed into law the most significant gun safety reform in three decades, days after the Supreme Court extended the right to bear arms to public places. Among other things, the bipartisan reform incentivizes states to pass red flag laws, which allow courts to authorize police to confiscate guns from people deemed dangerous. The law was prompted by a mass shooting in Texas last month. And fact of the day, 84 the number of countries that have become less peaceful since 2008. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Russia returns to Ukraine's capital. Russian missiles provided a dark dawn chorus as they fell on Kyiv in the early hours of Sunday morning. At least one person died and six were injured when a bomb hit a block of flats. A playground nearby was also bombed. 
It was the first attack on Ukraine's capital city in several weeks. The strikes were probably meant to serve as a warning to Ukraine and its backers at a critical moment in the war. But if the intention was to break Western unity before the G7 meeting and NATO summit, it may have had the opposite effect. Ukraine is being considered for membership of the European Union, as is Moldova. Boris Johnson, Britain's prime minister, has urged G7 leaders that now is, quote, not the time to give up on Ukraine. The country needs all the help it can get. In recent days, Russia gained full control of Severodonetsk, a city in the country's east, in a long-awaited military victory. Its forces are now closing in on nearby Lysychansk. Will Laos be the next Sri Lanka? Much like in Sri Lanka, which has almost run out of petrol, queues at petrol stations have become a daily sight in Laos. With annual inflation soaring at nearly 13% in May, the economy of this small, landlocked country is in crisis. Laos was already burdened by public debt worth 88% of GDP in 2021. Then this year, the price of Brent crude, a benchmark for the oil market, rose by 45% to hit $113 per barrel, caused in part by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. An increase of American interest rates pushed up the price of imports. International ratings agencies warned that Laos is on the brink of default. Though Laos is a tightly controlled communist dictatorship, there have been flashes of public anger. In response, the government has announced plans to raise the minimum wage and reshuffle the cabinet. That may not be enough, however, to stem the public's rage. Israel braces for another election. On Monday, the Knesset, Israel's parliament, is expected to vote to dissolve itself and announce a general election for later this year. It will be the end of Naftali Bennett's short term of one year as prime minister. Yair Lapid, the foreign minister, will replace him until a new government is formed. Benjamin Netanyahu, the former prime minister who was turfed out by the Bennett-Lapid coalition last year, is raring to get back into office. But because he's not assured of a majority in the coming election, he is trying to postpone the dissolution vote so that he can establish a coalition that involves members of the current parliament. Mr. Netanyahu failed to muster a majority after the last four elections and is unlikely to find one now. Even if he manages to delay the vote by a few days, Israel is almost certainly headed for its fifth election in less than four years. Businesses wary as America's economic outlook weakens. There is not much to be cheerful about in the latest run of economic news in America. Inflation is at a four-decade high, interest rates are up, and the stock market is in rough shape, all while retail sales are sliding and housing sales are softening. Figures expected on Monday may add more gloom. Orders for durable goods, items which are expected to last longer than three years, such as computers and machinery, may have remained at about the same level in May as in April. This would suggest that business investment growth is grinding toward a standstill. The risk of an imminent recession is still limited, thanks in part to continued strength in the labor market, but a leveling off in goods orders would show that businesses are becoming more pessimistic. Spending restraints should help dampen inflation. The question is just how painful the journey will be. A Wimbledon with a Difference 
Wimbledon, Britain's annual tennis tournament, known for its archaic traditions, has long been distinctive in the tennis world. The 135th edition of the contest, which starts on Monday, is remarkable for less historic reasons. In response to the war in Ukraine, organizers have banned Belarusian and Russian players. It is the only tennis tournament to have imposed such sanctions. Those exiled include Daniil Medvedev, a Russian and the world's top-ranked men's player. The game's governing bodies disapprove and have ruled that players' performance at Wimbledon will not count towards their global rankings. Although some players will be disappointed, Wimbledon remains prestigious. It is one of four grand slams in the game. On the men's side, Rafael Nadal is on the hunt for a record-extending 23rd victory, and on the women's, Serena Williams is hoping for a record-equaling 24th. The other draw? The £40 million or $49 million prize money. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday who was the first African-American woman elected to the U.S. Senate? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Helen Keller, who was born on this day in 1880. Some people do not like to think. If one thinks, one must reach conclusions, and conclusions are not always pleasant. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. <laughs>